Thank you for downloading this Freedom Fellowship Midweek Podcast, where we share real stories of your journeys about faith in Jesus Christ and what He is doing in our lives. In this episode, we'll talk with Dylan Ross about how prayer has impacted the life of him and his family and how prayer brought them to Freedom Fellowship and to Northwest Arkansas. Well, we want to thank you for tuning in to this Freedom Fellowship Extra podcast. We've got Mr. Dylan Ross in the makeshift studio with us today. And Dylan, what's on your heart today? Uh, I've been thinking a lot about prayer, okay, especially over the past couple of days since we had our service on Sunday, what it is, what it means, how to use it, mm-hmm. and the purposes. So, In Acts chapter 12, where the church itself there in Antioch was there in constant prayer. Mm-hmm. So what what about that kind of jumped out to you? I love it that they were they were fully in prayer. They were expecting results from God for Peter, and when they got it, they didn't believe it. Not that they couldn't, not that they were overwhelmed, they just didn't believe it, period. Right. And and I love that because we, two thousand years later, we look at a lot of these stories and a lot of these examples and go, Well, I would never do that. But we do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Jesus talked about when you pray, don't do this, don't do that, don't right. be like the pagans or Pharisees, whoever. But we do it all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing or sinful. We see other people praying a certain way, so we go, oh, that's the way we do it. Right. But we don't have to. Mm-hmm. I think it can be a lot more informal. Uh, a lot more off the cuff than we'd like to believe it is. We want that ritual. We want that. If I do it this way, God will hear me. That's not the way it works. Right. So So I I think that, um, that we can definitely associate with Rhoda, the the little girl who was there who said, Hey, Peter's standing out there knocking, but that can't be, it must be his angel or, you know, something like that. But looking at kind of a, Acts 12, we see this prayer meeting is essentially what it was happening at Mary's house. And in your mind, what do you think of when you see that in the text? What what about that jumps out at you? So, so there are two prayer meetings that I think of. One is that one in Acts 12. The other one is um, in Daniel. Mm-hmm. And it's the, the one, you know, the king has come and he has this, this dream he doesn't tell the wise men what it is. They can't interpret it because he won't tell them. So he says, okay, I'm going to have all of you killed. And Daniel and his friends say, hey, give us a shot. Mm-hmm. I can't interpret it, but I, I have a God who can. Uh, we want to pray about it, and we're going to do it tomorrow. And they prayed all night. Right. Similar to what you see in Acts. And there's not a lot of detail in either one of them. Uh, but I, I can I can just see believers together. Maybe they're in groups. Maybe someone's praying out loud. Maybe someone's off by themselves and they're just earnestly seeking what God has for whatever problem they were dealing with at the time. Uh, But it has to be that heartfelt desiring, seeking out what God wants for problem A, B, or C. So the the church in 2022, do you think that we do a lot of those Acts 12 prayer meetings do you think that we should we should and of course we have prayer groups uh we have the the men's prayer group that meets on on friday uh but those two in particular in the scripture 
or to deal with a problem. And I do think we, we do that whether we want to or not. You're going through a hard time. Maybe you're sick. Someone else is sick. You're hurt, whatever. There's a, there's a, a problem at work and you'll just sit there. And when things get quiet, maybe everybody else has gone to bed. You're with your thoughts. Those meetings happen, whether you want them to or not. And it's how we come to it. You know, I've had, I've had seasons in my life where I was praying and I was praying earnestly and just all the time, but it wasn't, I wasn't doing it the right way. It was more of, Hey, I've done my part. Now God, now it's your turn. Right. Didn't work out any of those times. And, and I had to learn a lot about how to complain, how to come to God. He's a big boy. He can take it. Right. But there's a way to do it. And so elaborate on that for anybody who's listening or, or watching that. When did you come to that realization that you had done your part? And now it's God's turn. Oh, sure. It's, it's what the world wants, right? So you grow up and my quote unquote generation, you stay in school, you get an education, you work hard and everything pays out. Mm-hmm. And specifically mine was 2008, 2009, 2010, I had graduated, gotten married, we had a child, and I could only find temporary work. I couldn't get a job delivering pizza. Like, there was no, hey, go flip burgers. Like, I could not get hired. And like I said, I was doing a lot of temp work, um, a lot of short-term contract stuff, just whatever I could find. And I was, I was grieved. Like, it hurt so bad that I had done everything that I was supposed to. I did everything that I was was expected of me. I worked hard. I did all of it and I couldn't provide. And so your identity goes away. Mm-hmm. You know, w- what good am I? You know, you, you read the scripture and I read it and I read it and I read it. And, you know, God created man. What do you do? He puts him in a garden. He puts him to work. But there wasn't, wasn't that for me. And then a job opened up with a fortune 500 company. I said, okay, this is it. This is, this is what God had planned. I get it now. And that was the worst seven months of my life as far as a, a job goes. And it wasn't that it was a bad job or I, I had great coworkers. I had a great boss. His boss was great. But God wasn't in it. He literally at that point in my life went, you know what? You did everything, but let's see what you can do without me. You're not relying on me. You're relying what you've done. Mm. You're relying on your gifts. And it took, it took seven months. I'm a slow learner, but it took seven months for me to finally figure that out. And I left that job uh, and went back to what I was doing for, I don't know, eight, $9 an hour retail. And then about a year later, little things started to pick up. Now here I am a decade later and I've got a career and I have the job, but it took a long time to learn that without God, it doesn't matter how well you've planned. It doesn't matter how many of those box, those check marks you've checked off. It literally has to be him. And you have to be willing to let him work through your life. I had a pastor one time that said prayer is, is God's way of letting you be involved in what he's doing. Mm, I like that. And so you look at Daniel, you look at, Acts 12, they're praying, but God's already working. Mm -hmm. 
You know, you look at Daniel 9 later on, and he starts praying. It's the interrupted prayer, right? And uh, the angel says, hey, I, I started when you started, but I got held up. I'm like, God's already working. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't need your prayer. He doesn't need your help. But he's letting you be involved. Mm-hmm. And so. Mm. Let's kind of push that a little bit further, because I, I think that this is something that a lot of people can empathize with to where they have been in a situation where they're not hearing from God they're They feel like they're on kind of a, a desert Island that, mm-hmm. you know, God, did you forget me kind of thing? I, I know that I can, I can relate to that. Looking back a decade ago, you as the mature Christian, maturing Christian, right. none of us are mature, no. but maturing Christian that you are now looking back on that, what would you say to yourself back then that, that you know now? Yeah. Relax. It's learning to rely on God. You know, if I was in that same situation now, there would be that anxiety. There would be that constant looking around at everything that, that's going around. And I remember thinking, even then, I should relax. I should let go. And I love that term because everybody tells you to do it. Nobody knows how. Right. Let go and let God. Yeah. Sounds great. How do you do that? You just got to do it. No, that's not how that works. Right. And I I remember sitting with with my boss because it was it was a uh, it was a sales job. And he, he he said, sometimes I see you almost panicked, like working, grinding that out, doing what you need to. And other times it seems like you're not worried about it at all. I said, that's the point. Like, I know I'm, I'm failing at this, but if, if I'm doing that grind and kind of manic and I'm doing everything I can, people are going to go, hey, you're working too hard. You need to relax. And if you're relaxed, you're not working hard enough. Mm-hmm. There's literally nothing you can do. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't, you don't want to work against yourself. You want to do the right things. You know, read the word, pray, seek God. Take care of the things you need to, to do, your relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to create problems, then it all mounts up, right? You, you do the right things because of the right things to do. You want to put yourself in, in a position to where if God really does want to use you, you're not bringing in all the baggage along with that. Right. But but it's, it's his choice. And he's going to do it when he wants to do it. And there's a lesson in there in each of those circumstances but i don't think it ever gets easier yeah see one of the one of the things when it when it comes to prayer the word that that i've been that has has been coming to my mind for years at this point is the word reliance when it comes to prayer that it that it's not just the bad times when your girlfriend breaks up with you or you lose your job or you know something like that that Yes, that is when we need to pray, but also in the good times as well, that it's not a, even though our emotions kind of go up and down, prayer should be a constant thing. And, and that word reliance to me, it it speaks volumes because it's not, see what we have a, a tendency to do as human beings, fallen human beings and fallible human beings is we write our 
dreams and you know whatever our plans down we slide it across the table and we want god to rubber stamp that yeah for us hey lord this is what i want boom but what he's saying is that's not what you need yeah. i need you to do this over here not what you think that you know so what are your thoughts on just a, a constant reliance on god well it is a reliance you know i think we can all look back anybody who's over let's say 30 and has a little bit of time where they're responsible for themselves and you grew up going i'm going to do this or that or maybe you didn't have any idea at all but i'm going to go this direction and then you look back at 10 or 12 years of real life and you go well i was there and i was headed there but now i'm here and maybe that's good maybe it's bad you know maybe you made a lot of wrong decisions and you were really far off track or maybe i'm nowhere where i thought i would be like i started out going this way and god and life took me this way and i love it i never thought i'd live in northwest arkansas was it ditto yeah. yeah wasn't an option but i'm 38 i love living in northwest arkansas mm-hmm. i've got a wife i've got three kids they're perfect and it's so much better than what i thought it would have but the reliance part is also leading your heart it's the same thing so i say short little prayers all day long thanking god for this or that and it's not necessarily that he needs thanks for all these little bitty things but it's constantly taking my heart and pointing it towards God when when good things happen especially mm-hmm. that's become really important like thank you God thank you for doing that thank you for giving somebody in a meeting that I'm having grace when they normally don't they're not graceful people they don't extend that but they do like thank you for that mm-hmm. just because it, it keeps pointing my heart to gratitude to thankfulness to the reliance on him that, that's a, a really good point, and, and I think that there's probably somebody who's watching this or listening to this that that will be helpful for them because it, they may be in that, that particular season right now that they're looking for practical steps that they can do, and I, I like how you put that of kind of redirecting or leading your heart, pointing it back to him just simply by giving thanks. Again, not for necessarily the things that he's done, but really because of who he is. Yeah. And uh, when we talk about prayers of thanksgiving, that's one of the different types of, of prayers that the, the Bible talks about that, you know, with Hayes, who's almost a year old, one of the things that we do every night is we read a, a Bible story and then we pray. And between Whitney and I, and we alternate every night, mm-hmm. you know, taking turns and, and praying. Our prayers are not, Lord, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. Without even thinking about it, it's thank you for this. Thank you for this. Thank you for our family. Thank you for Hayes. Thank you for, you know, moving us to Northwest Arkansas, Mm -hmm. which we never thought that we would end up here. But it's that, that prayer of thankfulness. It's, it's not a Lord, I need something from you right now that, that let's call it what it is, a selfish prayer that all of us are guilty of. Um, and it, it does say that we should make our petitions known to God. You know, he wants to know our heart and, and that kind of thing. But it's really that that prayer of thankfulness, that that expression of gratitude that comes from our hearts towards God. Again, not because of what he did, but really because of who he is. And that comes through training and practice in your daily life and being uh, disciplined. Mm-hmm. 
And the more you do it, then it rubs off. Your kids see you do it. Uh, I love that that our kids, they, they see a lot more than we think that they do. Right. And so they see the hard times and they see how you react to it. And we have, we have a culture of follow your heart. I mean, that, that's what they said since I was at least a little kid. But as, as, as Christians, we need to follow God's heart mm-hmm. and that takes time. It takes, it takes discipline. You know, we, we've all seen new Christians fall off, fall completely out of the, the Christian boat because they didn't know how to do that. Nobody knew how to disciple them. Mm-hmm. You know, we see people not, they, they fight so hard against the sanctification process. One, I think we rob the Holy spirit a lot of times. Mm-hmm. We don't want you in that sin and for good reason, but maybe God doesn't want them in that sin. But since they're there, he wants them there a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. There's a lesson they can learn. There's a tool they can pick up that's going to be useful later. And he's going to use that. Yeah. But we as Christians, you know, we want to pull them out. Right. You need to look like this. You need to sound like this. You need to hang out with these people. Mm-hmm. Your house needs to look like this. There's a whole long list because if you look fruitful, then you are. Yeah. Whether or not it's true. And we rob the Holy Spirit because I can guilt you into a behavior. But only the Holy Spirit can convict you of it. Right. Yeah. And so whatever the sin, the big sin in your life or sins, that conviction will come. Mm-hmm. Give it time. Yep. And I think, you know, I've been a Christian for since 2006. And every, every once in a while, I'll look up and I'll realize that my heart is more aligned with God. That what, what I thought was okay a couple of years ago, it's, it's not okay anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm not living. And maybe I didn't even consciously do it. Maybe I just realized I'm not doing that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't need to go back to that. Yeah. Well, and, and allowing the, the Holy Spirit to do his ministry. That's something I, I think just because we are impatient mm-hmm. by nature, uh, because we're selfish by nature. And, yeah. and, you know, the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 17, he sums it up perfectly. And I love this verse because it, it should offend all of us because it's true. But he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Yeah. That's our default setting. And so when you look at the world system, and you hear things and you see this in a lot of the, the woke culture nowadays about live your truth right? versus living the truth, which is thank the Lord falling under that true conviction of the Holy Spirit to where what I tell people is the Holy Spirit, he does not allow you, uh, he doesn't prevent you from sinning. He prevents you from enjoying it. Yes. And thank the Lord for that, because, you know, if, if we live according to the world's standards, it is truly a follow your heart, follow your arrow, wherever it goes, like yep. the song says. And, you know, it, it's essentially hedonism, yeah. which is if it feels good, do it, whatever it is. And all of that is sin, every single bit of it. So when you have the world system, you have these corporations telling you that you are unique you're a a 
tiny little snowflake, you know, there's no one else like you, to live out your truth. Well, if you do that, you're living out your default setting, yep. which is, is you're essentially becoming numb to the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that conviction that you were talking about. And I don't know why I started talking about woke culture, but there we go. <laughs> Current events. Current events. You know, I, I see we become Christians. We want to go after what God wants. And we turn that that calling. Maybe, maybe he did really did give you a calling to follow, but we can so easily turn that into our idol. Yeah, I saw... Oh, how can I? We knew a couple, and they were called to plant a church. And this was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they decided to move across the country. God was calling them them to go. And they plant. They went. They planted a church. 10 years later, that church is, is doing very well, and they're still at the, the head of it and the heart of it. But they had that calling for a long time. They did a lot of prayer. They did a lot of training, and frankly, they took a lot of very, very good mentor people in their lives and said, we want you to take all of this, and we want you to pick it apart. We want we want you to help us get rid of things we don't need. We want to be crystal clear in what God's focus for our lives is, and it worked out, but they asked other people to come along with them. And I know of four couples that went with them to help them plant this church. And every single one of them were running from something. If we go out and we do this for God, then all these other problems will go. Our marriage will be fixed. Mm -hmm. Our kids will get better. Financially, this will be better. And I, I can almost go with it. Hey, if I just follow after God, everything else will take care of itself. But they didn't go in with the kind of prayer and thanksgiving that the lead couple did. All four of those couples that went with them are divorced now. Mm. And none of them are in church. Wow. And so there's always, after seeing that, because it happened pretty quickly, like within two years. Mm -hmm. My wife and I, whenever we make a big move, whenever we really change focus, on something it has to be with that one together we're praying individually we're praying together even when we're not praying together we've talked about hey what are you praying about for this specifically and then we make the decision because we've seen what it does in our lives we've seen it what it does in other people's lives if you're not leading your heart if you're not praying diligently disciplinedly and and with with what God wants in mind, not what you want. And that's hard. Well, and I think that that word, you said it once before, and then you just said it again. It's it's the the discipline that comes with prayer. I, I think that's where a lot of people, myself included, fail at, at certain things is the, the lack of discipline mm-hmm. uh, in our lives when it comes to prayer. So to you, and, and again, this is for someone who is listening or watching, what does a disciplined prayer life look like? Does it have to be around a certain uh, decision or a, a leading that the that you think the Lord is is calling you to, or what does that look like in a in a daily 
life. So the hard part is it doesn't have to look like anything. And that's hard for, for me and a lot of people I know because we want, we want that ritual. And that's what I've come to kind of see it as. You have to get up at 4 and you from 4 to 4.15 or 4.30, whatever. I'm going to listen to three worship songs. Then I'm going to read the Bible for 15 minutes or this many verses. And then I'm going to pray. Then it becomes something to check off. And you can do that with a lot of things in your life. I can do that with music. I can sit down and I can just go over figures or scales. Or I can go into the gym and I can do these exercises. And I'm just getting through. And that will pay off. But in your prayer life, that's you're not exercising the right thing. You're exercising a ritual and not your heart. And for some people, that focus of getting up or going off at this time, really focusing, getting out all the distractions, that might help them be disciplined in their heart, in their prayer, in their seeking God. And then for people like me, that will become the idol. Mm. So I've come to the, the, the point, at least now in my life, where I'm constantly looking for ways to thank God. And because I've done that for several years now, and it might be dumb things, like I said, like somebody in a meeting is nice when they're usually not. You know, it could be I come home and my kids are, are, are genuinely happy to see me. Or maybe I wake up and I get my truck and I'm going to work, but it's a really beautiful morning. And just those little thinking. One, it sets up my heart for gratitude. Two, it puts me in practice of going to God even for little mundane things. And so when I see something coming up, you know, there's a doctor's appointment or there's uh, something coming up at work. You know, I have a project due at, you know, three weeks from now, I'm already praying about it because I've gone to him with all these little things and the big things come up. Of course, I'm going to go to him about it. You know, I'm not going to let it sneak up on me. Oh God, by the way, I have something due tomorrow and it's a really big deal. And I really want you to show up for me. Right. He might, maybe, maybe that's his will, but why weren't you praying about it all along? Mm-hmm. Well, it didn't fit my 30 minute, you know, prayer, prayer block. Yeah. I'd love to have the war room, but that war room for me would be the idol. Mm. It would be the focus of my worship and not seeking God. And it ultimately would fail. Is there a right way to pray? No. Look at when, when the disciples asked Jesus that he gave them a formula and it's great. And there's a lot of things in there that we can just bam, take away. But if you let that become just a check, a to-do list, What's the point? You missed the boat. Yeah. Yeah. You can go to church. We have, we have a great ritual for you every Sunday. And we, we spend a lot of time thinking about how we're going to do it. You know, what comes first? How many songs are we going to do? Who's going to pray? How long is the sermon going to be? Are we going to have an invitation? And if we do have an invitation, you know, who's going to be up front for the people to worship? It's a wonderful ritual, but that's all it is. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you read acts, which we are, and people got together and, and they brought what they had a lot. You know, if, if you read about the early church, they would come with poems. They would come with songs they had written. They would come with food. All of that is a form of worship. It's a form of prayer. It's a form of sanctification. 
We're taking our gifts, we're taking what we do, and we're setting it aside for the purposes of God and his kingdom. So no, there's, there's, not, a, there's not a set way to pray. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com and you can search for us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.